Let's do that hockey. You're listening to the Dauber Prospects Radio Podcast again. I'm your host, Peter Harling, and this is the next episode of the 2020 World Junior Tournament Preview Team Canada Edition. And for this episode, I'm super excited to be joined by Dauber Prospects alumni, Stephen Ellis of the Hockey News Now. Stephen, second time caller on the podcast. Um... Thanks for coming on, buddy. How you doing? Great. How are you doing? Super amazing. It's like uh, less than a week till Christmas, which means less than a week and a day until the World Juniors. And I've spent the entire day today doing World Junior Preview Podcasts. How about yourself? Well, uh, I've been thinking about the Spain Cup all day, so uh, I don't know why you're bothering with this World Junior tournament. Uh, I'll, I'll jump yeah, no, no one ever talks about the World Junior. Ah, yeah, well, who cares? Uh, I, I, it's, it's funny. I'm uh, Truthfully, I'm a major Spangler Cup fan. Um, uh, I would say almost over in the World Juniors. But uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's been a busy day. I did a story on Tidal Andrea, kind of looking at his life, uh, playing of Flynn, things like that, and what he wants to do for Team Canada. So it was, uh, it's been a good few days. Uh, it's a good time for hockey fans. Right. Did title andrea uh he's made team canada right so far yes yeah and he'll be there for sure he's, he was pretty good during camp uh he was good during the uh, canada russia series and uh yeah i think he's done everything he needs to do to to secure his spot all right well they got a few more cuts to make so we'll get to that um but before we do uh let's just take a quick uh quick overview look at the roster so Canada is typically one of the powerhouse teams they had that really nice run of five or six uh gold medal uh championship runs in a row um that haven't had too much to complain about in the last couple of years uh they won gold in 14 15 gold in 17 18 uh, they won a silver in 1617, uh, failed to medal a couple of times in there. Um, but not very often does Canada come out of this tournament without some court, sort of hardware. Uh, taking a look at this year's roster, um, I think you could say that they have another very competitive team. Uh, they're playing in uh, the Group B, the Death Pool, uh, Canada, Russia, U.S., Host Nation, Czech Republic. There's four teams that'll just be really hard to get a win against. And uh, I've been saying don't underestimate Germany as well. Uh, so given the fact that that's their group, um, what, what's your, your quick overview of, of Canada for this tournament? Do you like their chances to either be a significant medal contender or even, dare we say, a gold medal favorite? Gold medal favorite, it, it's tough because I'm really set on the United States being the top team in this tournament, and then yeah. Russia's got a stacked roster. The, my biggest question for Russia, uh, when I was talking on the Hockey News podcast today, was actually, who will their goalie be? And honestly, like he, as good as Askarov is, he is the younger goalie. Would that mean that he would lose that job? I, I argue that he deserves a starting job. 
But overall, Canada's got kind of as complete of a team as you would hope for. They got some really strong defense. They got a, a, a potential uh, top defense candidate in Bowen Byram. They got a guy in Jamie Drysdale who's obviously playing fantastic. Their offense looks impressive. Their biggest question mark is the goaltending. But I don't think it's in a negative way. It's just who is actually going to be the guy. So, uh, yeah, Canada's team is interesting this year because it, it, this year in the tournament, it's no, like, top drafted stars, I'd say, in this tournament. There's no, like, elite player that's going to change something. That's already so drafted. far, but they're going to have the top two picks in this summer's draft. Yes, but yeah, so I'm talking about guys who are drafted at this current time. But uh, yeah, like with those two guys, obviously that's going to be really fun to watch. And I think overall for any draft fan, this is going to be a really exciting tournament. And, and if Dawson Mercer stays with Canada, for example, after he scored today in the the exhibition game, which really probably helped his case to stay on the team, you'll see that it's it's going to be a really fun, diverse team that, you know, it's it, they're going to compete for a medal. It's just going to be tough against uh, the Americans and the Russians and even the Swedes with how good their defense is. Right. It might work to their advantage being in the death pool, actually, because um, that means they don't have to play either, you know, Russia or USA in the first round. Uh, they might find themselves lining up against Finland or Sweden, which um, no slights to them, but I would rather face either of those teams uh, in this year's World Junior in a single game elimination tournament than Russia or USA, um, in large part because of the goaltending. Uh, USA's got Spencer Knight, and uh, I just talked to uh, to Victor about uh, Russia on on our Russian series of this podcast, and he thinks that they're gonna they're gonna play it out that they'll each get a game or two in the uh, round robin, and that their play will dictate which one gets the starts in the medal games. Um, that'll be very interesting, but, uh, sticking on Canada, I kind of, I kind of like what you're saying. The biggest question mark for me, they got question marks throughout their roster, but the biggest one is, is definitely a net for me. And I don't think this is all necessarily a bad thing. Like you just said, they don't have, a, a Carter Hart or a Carey Price in, in goal. It's the, you know, the slam dunk Spencer Knight. This guy is our number one goalie and we're going to, you know, live and die with this guy. Um, but it's not like their goaltenders are, are going to be terrible either. Uh, and going into this tournament as, as much as of an underdog as Canada can be in it, uh, could be a really good motivating factor for the team as well. You know, like, Hey, no one thinks we can win. We'll show them kind of thing. Us versus the world. Um, as they say. Uh, so let's take a, a little bit closer look at some of the players on the roster, as I like to do. And uh, as I have been doing, let's start in goal. So um, Nico Dawes is a very interesting story. The come-out-of-nowhere kid who wasn't on the radar at all got the starting role with Guelph this season and just has been running with that ball. Looks fantastic. His stats are amazing. He's, you know, he's six foot four. He's got the size. Uh, I, I was at the Canada-Russia game in Kitchener and he played that game and looked looked pretty good and then I saw him the that weekend again playing against um the next night in Kitchener uh and he looked really great there uh man I, I like this kid I, th I think he's got the uh I think he's got the ability to to win the job uh he and Joel Hoffer are 
probably the two favorites going into the tournament with Olivia Rodrigue having the more international experience. Um, how do you think Hunter leans in this tournament towards the goalies or is he just going to kind of roll them all out and whoever plays best gets the next game? Well, I think it is interesting that um, the first game uh, that Canada played as an exhibition against Switzerland, we saw Dawes and Hoffer share the net, which unconfirmed would make me think that Olivier Rodriguez is going to be the, the lone goalie against the Finns, a game where Canada is going to want to be at their peak performance. And, and you know, like Hockey Canada, like when you go through camp and see how all the goalies kind of fare, it was clear Hunter Jones was not the best of the four goalies there. But the competition for the other three was really close. Now, the stats were all close and saying the drills, there was no goalie that was really standing out. Um, which I think that if you had if you have three goalies that are kind of equal at the same time, they would go for Rodriguez because Hockey Canada knows him. He was their goalie during the summer camp. He was their guy uh, in various tournaments back to the youth Olympic game. So like that's part of the program of excellence. This is a guy that the the program is very very knowledgeable about as opposed to a guy like Nico Dodds who's never played on the international ice to my knowledge um, and has kind of no experience uh, in a situation like this before. He was a late riser obviously like I saw him play in minor midget and midget and I thought he was good but he was definitely nothing special until this year when he finally got the opportunity. So, so it is a tough question because on one hand that the country, their team should always go for who the hot hand is as opposed to who's the favorite all year long. And if you go for who's the hot hand, well, Nico Dawes and Joel Hoffer have been fantastic in their respective leagues, while Rodriguez not. But at the same time, there's definitely the look of, well, you know what, this has been Hockey Canada's guy when they made it. Uh, if I was making the decision, I think Nico Dawes was slightly better than Joel Hoffer when it during the two games, key two sports, but it really is a kind of a coin flip. And I think that um, whoever gets a start against the United States in the first game, it will really matter there because if that goalie falters, lost four or five goals in that game, that could spell the, the end of the tournament for them. And that's how close it is because, like, even back to the, the Fakalis, the Mackenzie Blackwoods, the Carter Hearts, and even last year with DiPietro, like, we knew who the clear guy was heading into camp, and that never changed. This year, that's a little different. And I think that's – it's good to have a couple goalies that are kind of going in hot, but I wonder how that changes Kendall's approach heading into the tournament um, and the fact that there's no clear favorites. But I do think it is interesting that – uh, at least at this very moment, Rodriguez is going to be the only goalie against the Finns, and that could be that could be a message there. I think. Yeah, you know, it only takes one game where you know you put in one of the goalies against, say, United States, and it's a blowout. Um, that might be the last time you see that goalie in the whole tournament. Um, so I think the we're going to see more than one goalie play for Canada this tournament. And then I think the play from there on out should have uh, the biggest factor as to who plays the most games by the time it's all said and done at the end. Uh, it's going to be an interesting battle anyways. Let's move up the depth chart a little bit and uh, talk about some defensemen. So as I said on the previous episode, the, there's two locks for Team Canada, and that would be Ty Smith 
and Bowen Byram. These guys, I think, are going to be Canada's uh, anchors on the blue line, uh, D1, D2. Um, they're both left-handed defensemen, so they might not play together. And I think Jamie Drysdale probably fits in on the right-hand side on the next top pairing. He's been very impressive. Uh, I liked what I saw in the CIS game that I that I watched. I liked everything that I've seen from him this season so far in the OHL. And I, I caught a little bit of him today in their preliminary game against uh, Switzerland, and he looked very good. Uh, would you Are you as high on, on Jamie Drysdale as I am? Do you think he's, uh, as a 17-year-old, capable of playing a top-pairing role for Team Canada at the World Juniors? Uh, I love his game. I've loved him back even when he was Bantam. But I, I, as much as I would like to see him get that role, I don't think they're going to give him that role. He wasn't deployed in that situation today. He was kind of like their seventh defenseman. And I think they're still going to lean towards the experience and older guys. You look at a couple of potential defense pairings. You got a guy like Ty Smith. And I think you probably have to go with Bowen Byram. Uh, just because even though they're both left-handed defensemen, they've they're both play a very similar style that you like to have together. And then you throw uh, Jared McIsaac and Kalen Addison, and they're kind of similar. And then you're going to shut down of Kevin Ball and Bernard Docker, which then would leave Jamie Drysdale as the seventh guy, which as we've learned in this term in the past, that could end up being your best defenseman like Kevin Carr in 2018, because that gives that guy a bit more flexibility to move around the lineup. But I don't think he'll be getting top pairing minutes, and I don't think he'll actually be getting second pairing minutes either. I still think they'll ease him in into this this tournament because for you know like he he had a good showing at least in the first game for Canada against U Sports, but the second game I thought he kind of struggled and he was it took him a while to kind of catch up to all the drills during camp. Uh, he's the real deal. He's going to be a major game changer for Odrasum. I just don't think he's ready for top pairing minutes in this tournament yet. Uh, but I think he'll get some opportunities in the power play when when the play gets Germans probably get more ice time. But I don't think you're yeah, you're deploying him for heavy minutes against uh, USA and Russia. It is a lot to ask of a 17-year-old who's got you know two more years of eligibility for this tournament. Uh, it is typically a 19-year-old tournament. Um, all right, so Byram and, and Smith will be the. Uh, the heavy minute loggers. Uh, you, you're picking Jamie Drysdale as the seventh D. Uh, I like what you're saying about McIsaac and Addison uh, and Ball. All have a good two way, um, two way upside to their game. Kevin Ball gives you that nice six foot six size that uh, you just you know you can't teach that. <laughs> uh, and the rest of their the rest of their defense is all pretty average in size. So Kevin Ball gives them a really nice physical element on the blue line if uh, if they have someone that's uh, power forward that's running rock shot on them uh, out of their their defense do you who do you see as a potential player that could have uh, a real strong breakout tournament that maybe has like a tournament of the ages for Canada and, and cements themselves among you know Canada lore I'd say the best bet, in my opinion, is Bowen Byram, and I thought he was probably Canada's most consistent player during the series against U Sports, and he looked good against the Swiss today. This is a guy that could carry the puck. He's an incredible passer. Uh, he's got great uh, vision. It seems like he can make a pass out of anything, and we're not talking just the easy passes. He, he kind of reminds me of uh, like Shane Wright. Obviously, they play different positions, but the way they pass – 
which is they don't just look for the easy pass. They look for the smart pass, and it works. Uh, he Byron makes you pay if you turn the puck over. He could do so much. And you know what? Yeah, like you were saying, he's like a 19-year-old typically, and Byron's only 18. But I think this is a guy who could step into an NHL role next year with the Avalanche and be effective, kind of like what we saw with Kale McCarr this year. And I think that uh, having – Byram there for as good as he's playing right now. That's going to be really, really exciting for Team Canada. Uh, obviously, Ty Smith's got the offensive ability, but I don't think he's got the all-around ability that Byram has. And when you got a guy who can move the puck, could score a lot, he obviously had 26 goals last year with the Vancouver Giants, uh, and I believe over 70 points. But when you when you look at a guy like him what we know he could do with the puck and what he can do when he's got good players around him. He could play the power play, be on the penalty kill, be your most important five-on-five defender. I think he does everything that the Team Canada will want him to do, and I think he'll be the best player. Still has another year of eligibility for the tournament too, but uh, I think you might be onto something there when you say he could be in the NHL and not available uh, as a 19-year-old for Canada next season. Uh, Ty Smith is another player who is going to age out on the blue line, almost made the NHL this season. Uh, so he's definitely not available next year one way or the other, but he's probably going to be in the NHL, uh, as well. Uh, okay. So one, two, three, four, five, six, they got seven defensemen on their, their roster right now. So I think it's pretty safe to say that everyone that's on their roster right now is there to stay. Yeah, they're not cutting anybody in. Yeah. That's that. Now let's move up to the forward ranks where I believe they do have a decision to make. Um, Let's see. How do we want to cut up the forwards? Let's let's start with the draft eligible guys because that's that's a pretty sexy conversation. So you've got Alex um, Lafreniere and Quinton Byfield going to be the first and the second overall picks in the NHL entry draft. I don't think you'll find anyone who who would disagree with that. Some other people might argue that that Byfield might be the guy that goes number one. Uh, other people will say you're crazy. Um, well, let's start there. Who who do you who would you like if you were an NHL GM and you get the first overall pick? Who do you take? I know what Cam Robinson said, and I love you, Cam, but I, I gotta go with Lafreniere. You know what? I watched Byfield play when he was. 14, 15, could see what he could do. And I I thought he was Canada's best player, or best forward, sorry, during the selection camp, which is saying something about a 17-year-old forward. But I just think when you got just the natural ability like Lafreniere does, and just look at the fact he's he's at 70 points already this year in the QMJHL, which is unbelievable considering he's been nursing an ankle injury. He just has incredible speed. He, he just like, and everything with the physicality side of things, I think he's got the edge over by field, which you're not going to get an elite when you're like that all the time. Uh, but in this year's draft, you're going to get a bunch of good centers. So I think you got to go with uh, despair for Lafreniere. I think he's just got everything you want. And uh, if I had to make the decision now, I'd go for him. But there's still time to change that. And again, like I, I've seen Byfield play more. I still think he's not the better of the two. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you make some really great points. Uh, some really great counterpoints would be uh, I like Byfield because he plays a more valuable position. Uh, if I had a choice between a center and a winger, I'll take the center if I'm building my, my NHL team. Uh, even for fantasy, I think Quinton Byfield 
he'll be I, I think he might be more impactful in his first season right out of the gate. I think they're both in the show next year. Um, but if you're in a, a multi-cat league, uh, bangers and mash, Keaton Carlson kind of league, uh, Quinton Byfield gives you that, you know, face-off win category as well as he'll give you some hits. Um, but, you know, I don't think there's a wrong choice either way. Uh, I don't think you're crazy for saying it's Lafreniere, and I don't think you'd be crazy for thinking it could be Byfield either. Um, so that's very interesting. It'll be also interesting to see exactly what kind of an impact both of these players can have with Team Canada. Quinton Byfield and uh, Lafreniere have had international experience and success at different tournaments for Canada already. So uh, it'll be it'll be fun to see how they can do in playing against players that are above their age and peer group. You know, dominating at the U17s and U18s against players who are the same age as you is is one thing, but now they're coming in as 17-year-olds playing against 19-year-olds uh, and the elite 19-year-olds of the world. Um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see. I don't expect these guys to be playing first-line minutes. Uh, I would be surprised if uh, Byfield wasn't on the power play, um, but we'll, we'll see where they fit in. Uh, another interesting player that's uh, a couple of players at the center ice position that are uh, late additions for the roster would be Arizona Coyotes' Barrett Hayton and Detroit Red Wings' Joe Valeno. Uh, let's talk about the center ice position. Do you think Who do you think is going to be the number one center on this team? Because I'm not sure who it is. Uh, I don't think Canada knows that either. Um, there, we saw through camp that he kept changing drastically so it's kind of hard to predict that that's the thing i would have loved to see kirby doc on this team and i i made it a whole argument uh in an article recently i said this is a guy you need to send to the juniors because i believe he's at like 14 games now without a point uh so he would have been really good to see but uh you can't go wrong if you got uh barrett hayden joe volino and dylan cousins uh titalandria as your four centermen not at all. Uh, that's an incredible group. If I had to pick a guest, I would say Barrett Hayden. His NHL experience uh, was very helpful. But I also got to say, like, Joe Valeno played incredible Laf- Lafreniere during the summer at the World Junior hey, Summer Showcase. Yep. And, and I don't think you can ignore that. Uh, obviously, Valeno hasn't uh, arrived yet to play or uh, yeah, he hasn't he wasn't in the lineup against the Swiss we'll see him finally against Finland and by then I think we'll know who's cut and if I had to make a wild guess I'd say Benoit Olivier Gruel is the guy that goes from the center position but that's the thing when Canada brought 11 centermen um, to Europe 11 other 15 players play center you just kind of had to make some uh, moves which is kind of why I defended the fact that Alex Newhook didn't make the team despite how good he was he just when you put in two extra centermen who um have pro experience there you, you gotta go though you're gonna be out of a position if you don't adapt and i don't think new hooks as valuable in the wing as even someone like uh, Raphael lavoie or uh, nolan foot a guy that i think a lot of people think should be cut and i don't understand that one at all uh, but I, if i had to say who would be the number one center i it's, it's truly a toss-up between Hayden and Valeno, uh, but I think it also depends on what you consider the first line. If Lafreniere is on your first line, then you put Valeno there. Otherwise, Hayden and maybe Foot and Byfield would be a pretty fun group. 
Yeah, Valeno uh, tore up the queue last year to the tune of over 100 points. Um, had a really slow start to his pro career and didn't make the Red Wings start of the season in the AHL. Went a couple of weeks without a point and only had a few after a month or two, but he's up to 12 points in 29 games now. Uh, and Grand Rapids isn't a really great team. They're they're struggling like the parent club. So, you know, that, that has a, something to do with it as well. It was fantastic that he's been loaned to this tournament. I'm very excited to have him here. Uh, I own him in one of my fantasy leagues, so I'll be really pleased to see how he plays. And hopefully a tournament like this can really help um, reinvigorate any confidence that might have been shaken by his slow start in, in the AHL, uh, you know, being first line center for Canada and coming home with a gold medal in your pocket can kind of put a little swagger in your step, you know? Yeah, uh, absolutely. 100% agree. Yeah. You could say the same thing for Barrett Hayton too. I mean, while he's in the NHL this season, that's true, but um, you know, he's played 14 games. He's got one goal four points. Uh, not bad. Um, I'm sure he's not getting first line minutes with the Coyotes who are having a fantastic season. But uh, again, playing in a tournament like this and um, and dominating against excellent high level competition uh, really helps you out. So those are two players that are fun that uh, were loaned to Canada. Uh, there's plenty of other players who weren't available, but we'll be happy to take these two. Um, one player that's kind of stood out to me a little bit in the CHL Canada Russia series and the CIS game that I watched as well is Akil Thomas. Um, he's a bit of a bubble player, uh, perhaps depending on who you talk to. I've heard some people say that he could be the guy that gets cut. Uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't think that that would be an egregious decision, but uh, I'm, I'm really, really looking forward to him making the team so that I can really watch closely how he handles this kind of competition um, and how he can perform at a, at a, on this kind of a stage. What's your take on Thomas so far during this whole selection camp process? I can't say I was actually that impressed with him uh, during the selection camp. I know it was kind of mixed feelings depending on who you talk to. I thought he was good, but like, again, I would have almost taken a guy like Newhook over him who was more effective. And, and basically there were guys who, were more effective in, in the two games than Akil Thomas was, but he did have an assist. So there's that. Uh, yeah, I, I didn't think he was overly standout-ish today. Uh, they, they do have to cut two players. I would like to see him stay over a guy like Dawson Mercer. I know Dawson Mercer has the potential to be a top 10 pick in the 2020 draft, but I also feel like he was kind of, too quiet during camp. He, he scored today, but it was a tip and goal off of a Jimmy Drysdale sh shot. So if I had to choose between who to keep of those two, I'd honestly keep Thomas. He's got the experience. He knows how to play in these international tournaments. Plus, he knows the big ice. Um, but it, it's a really kind of a... The last few spots are kind of muddy because there, there is like Gruel, who I didn't think was that great during camp. And um, Thomas, I just thought he was just kind of average and this is a guy that i really honed in a lot in the last couple of years and really impressed with his his two-way play and it just it wasn't really striking me as you need to keep this guy on the team type thing absolutely i can totally see what you're saying here's here's an interesting juxtaposition that i i've come away with at this process 
camp that two players, uh, Aiden Dudas and Akil Thomas. So Akil Thomas, to your point, isn't really doing a whole lot of really flashy stuff, but he's, he's getting results. He's getting assists here and there, uh, scoring points, creating turnovers um, really subtly. And then I watch a player like Aiden Dudas, and he is hard to miss because he is a high-energy player. He is all over the ice. He's a circle-the-wagon kind of player in the offensive zone. He's able to stick-handle through guys. He's super fast. He's very quick. He darts to open ice really fast. So he, he does a lot, but he doesn't produce the same kind of results. So it's very interesting juxtaposition between those two players. Um Aiden Dudas, I believe, uh, they were talking on the broadcast today on TSN that you know if he can prove that his finger is 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 healthy enough that it won't interfere with his ability to play, and I think he did that today, uh, then he's a lock for the team. Uh, so I'm not suggesting that these guys are bubble players. It's just a, a, a interesting comparison. Um, what's your take on that? Yeah, that was a. It was kind of clear right off the bat when when Dudas wasn't sent home despite the injury and there was no intention of him playing but he was still skating he was still practicing he was still working with the coaches it was clear that the coaching staff wanted him there and he got an assist uh or two assists today actually i believe uh, he got a really nice play uh, to set up foodie and then uh he passed the puck out to Byron who scored later in the game so i thought dude played actually quite well um this is a guy that it wasn't clear to me what his role was going to be during camp. It's like, okay, so could you really, like, does the Canada really need to do this? Was he really the guy that was going to take this team far and really improve? But you like, like you said, he, he kind of brought the energy that they really needed on the fourth line. And I've kind of always thought that when you, when you do this world junior tour, I think part of Canada's problem was they would sacrifice skill to bring energy. And I feel like that was, Again, like when Canada struggled to win gold for a few years, that to me was an issue. But after watching him play today, it's like, man, he just seemed like a, a totally different player than I was expecting because like, I've seen him for years. But he, I guess he he played a different, he's, he's more memorable for the attack. And this year, he, with Canada, it's like, how did he fit in? I think he looked really good with Foodie, and I thought Delandria, he was, they seemed to have good chemistry between the two. So, uh, dude, this is a guy that his days with Canada, they go all the way back to the Youth Olympic Games in 2016. So, they, clearly, Hockey Canada likes him. And, uh, it, yeah, today, like you were saying, like he just brought the energy. He just did so many things right. I loved him on the back check. He was the spark plug guy you need. Uh, at worst, I think you make it 13 4 kind of puts someone else like if Mercer makes a team you, you put Mercer on that line you give him a bit more opportunities but yeah I did like Dudas he impressed me more than I was thinking just for the sole fact that I didn't think his role was too defined heading in but he, he deserves to be there and Hockey Canada clearly see something and that's why they kept him this whole time. He is certainly a player that can bring the energy I mean he just exudes enthusiasm and energy and when he can hold on to the puck for as long as he can uh, it, it can help generate momentum for your team, to be sure. Um, I don't even know where I want to go after this. What's another player you want to talk about? Who's who's really impressed you through this whole process so far the most? Yeah, well, it's funny. If you asked me that right after the selection camp, I would have told you Alex Newhook and uh, Dylan Holloway. Neither player made the team. So. <laughs> well, you're not picking Team Canada, obviously. 
that's uh, that's very very clear. Uh, I guess another. Oh guy wait, who... let me ask you. Let me ask you about Holloway then, because um, he's another draft eligible player, and he's playing in the NCAA, and he really impressed you. Um, the question I posed the on the Russian episode is how much did politics play into that? Uh, and I said because in Canada it certainly does. If you have two players that are equally skilled, you know, all things being equal. Um, but you can only fit one of them in and one player plays in the CHL and the other one plays in the NCAA 10 out of 10 times hockey Canada will take the player from the CHL without question. Uh, do you think that those politics played a role or was he just outplayed? Uh, yes and no in terms of politics and outplayed, I wouldn't say he was. Um, but the fact is like he was going to be a left wing and he had dressed as a left wing for Canada, but that would have meant one of Connor McMichael, Quentin Byfield, Liam Foody, and Alex Lafreniere would have not made the team. Is Holloway better than any of those guys? I, I don't think so. So that's the thing. It was kind of a tough situation where he was such a hard worker. You know, like even during the scrimmage they had for a few minutes and on the, the second day of practices, I was thinking, man, this kid's a standout. He's he's fighting for everything and he, he's winning the battles against even Quinton Byfield and was just doing everything you were looking for out of him. But he, he didn't stand out enough, I think, in the second game against U Sports, which is where he really needed to be good. And to be fair, Canada had 12 shots. Nobody really stood out in that game, uh, except for Alex Newhook, in my opinion. Uh, and as a result, he was just kind of the odd man out. And if you're going to pick between a CHL player and an NCAA player, and you're basing it just off, like, like if that's like the only difference, that's one thing. But I don't think that was totally the case here because, again, you would have had to lose a guy like Foodie who's got AHL experience and uh, he's he's been very good for Canada in the past in previous tournaments. Or you get rid of one of the top two draft prospects in Lafayette by field. Or you're getting rid of like Michael, who's one of the best goal scorers in the CHL right now. There just wasn't a perfect spot for him. And kind of like Newhook, they just they it was a numbers game. So it just happened that both those players were NCAA players, but I didn't think their inclusion on the team would have made the team any better, per se. You mentioned Connor McMichael. Let's talk about him a little bit. He is leading the OHL in scoring, or was the last time I looked anyways. It changes on a weekly basis. Uh, but he is right up there at the top, and he's an 18-year-old, so he's uh, one year removed from his draft. He's eligible to return to the World Juniors again next year what kind of a role do you think he's going to play he's an offense first kind of player um i think he's the kind of a player that canada will turn to if they find themselves in a, in a shootout situation um what do you see as his role on this team that's one of the biggest questions with this team he, he dressed today as a fourth line winger uh, with uh, Gruel and uh, Kiel Thomas. So he, he didn't really get a great chance to shine out there. But I think this is like, if that's your, your fourth line left wing, you could do so much worse than like one of the best goal scorers in the entire Canadian Hockey League. So yeah, having McMichael play as your fourth line winger because he's got the speed, got the skill. He's, he's kind of like a different player than Gruel and Thomas, which are more the hardworking, could be physical, really strong in your defensive zone. But then you've got a guy like Michael, who will be the guy you're setting up for passes and he create plays and playing against other teams' fourth lines. Likely, he'd be the best player on the 
Knicks. So I, I think, you know, him in a four-point role, it's, it's just a numbers game. You've got experience and high-end superstar skill as your opponents. McMichael was just kind of outnumbered there. And uh, McMichael has a bit more to work with in London than, let's say, Quinton Byfield does in Sudbury. So uh, I think when Byfield's paired with someone like Dylan Cousins, there's going to be a bit more damage created than McMichael with Cousins, for example, just because I think Byfield's a more well-rounded player. And McMichael is going to... I think he'll thrive in that four-final role. It is different for him, but again, you, there's worse things than you could. There's worse players you can have on your fourth line than setting McMichael every six or seven shifts out there with the speed, energy, and skill that he has. That's going to be pretty dangerous. All right. Another player I'm interested in watching is Nolan Foot. I've liked him uh, since he was a rookie in the dub. Uh, I thought that he had a disappointing draft year, and I heard that he was playing almost the entire year with uh, with a wrist injury. So that might have something to do with why his draft season was a little underwhelming. He's entering this tournament as a 19 year old if he stays on the roster. Uh, he's a player I'll be I'll be quietly rooting for uh, to have a breakout tournament. Uh, I, I think it's a slim possibility that that comes to fruition. It's more likely that he gets cut, I suppose. But uh, nevertheless. Uh, the World Juniors is always a tournament where I kind of find myself uh, with an infatuation with the player going into the tournament, and then some of the times that infatuation just turns on to a full-on fantasy bromance. And I'm kind of hoping that, that that happens to be the case with Nolan Foote, even though I don't own him in any of my leagues, and it's going to make me go out and overpay to get him. But uh, what what do you think is the... Uh, <laughs> the likelihood of a Nolan Foot scoring some big goals for Canada and playing he's 6'3", 190, playing a really aggressive, uh, rambunctious, forechecking kind of game and at the same time not being a liability defensively. The, the question of like whether he should be on the team, I think that it, I can't see how he wouldn't make the team uh like it's stick with the team he scored against u sports and was seriously probably one of canada's best players in the first game and they sat him the second game because he was essentially we knew he was going to make it but he was in my opinion canada's best player during the world summer showcase i thought he looked really good and was one of the ohl's top scorers or the whl's top scorers during the cibc canada russia series this yeah. guy just seems to put up points when he plays up he plays internationally. And I remember at the under seventeens a couple of years ago, he only had three points to show for, but he was playing like ineffective minutes basically with his team. And I thought he still looked really good. So this is a guy where if you got a good passer, Foot's not gonna miss any of those shots. And I thought that he looked really good with Dylan Cousins at Quinton Byfield when they played together. And that's a line I would love to see again, uh, because you got the mix of the size. The, the work ethic, and then you've got a guy who can actually really shoot the puck really hard and isn't going to miss many of those shots. So I think Nil, like Nolan Foote's a guy that like, a lot of people are saying he's the guy who should be cut. I just don't see it. I think I, I just from what we've seen over the last two weeks, I don't think there's any way you cut him because he's just – he, he's got what Canada needs almost. You, you just need someone to set him up and he'll get the job done. So I, I think Noel Foote is going to be a guy that if he makes a team, he'll he'll probably get three, four goals in the tournament. And you'll be very impressed with what he does. And I don't think they're going to be garbage goals against like Germany or Czech Republic either. I think he'll actually play an important role against uh, teams like USA and uh, Russia. 
Yeah, he's my uh, he's my player for Canada that I'm that I'm going to be cheering for. If I were to go out and buy a Team Canada jersey for this World Juniors, uh, it'd be hard not to buy a Quinton Byfield jersey. But it it might be Nolan Foot. Um, uh, he's a player I'm I'm going to be unabashedly cheering for. Uh, what about you? Do you? Who's a player on this roster that um, do you, you're just a super fan of and that you really want to see them do very well? Well, I would say foot, but I'd also say Nico Dawes, which I mentioned him earlier. This is a kid that he kind of, like, there was no chance of him being on Hockey Canada's radar. And I got an argument with someone on Twitter about that. They're saying, oh, of course he was on Hockey Canada's radar. Really? I mean, a guy who played 20 games on Guelph last year was on the radar, Team Canada? Eh, I don't think so. So this is a guy who's got a lot of proof in front of the scouts that he didn't just have just a hot start to the season and that's it. He's got a, a tough task of kind of making sure Guelph remains a top team in the OHL when no one really expected that. It was more of like they're going to finish in the 15th to 18th area. And here they are having such a great season. And, and a lot of it has to be how good Nico Dawes is playing. It's unfortunate we don't get like deep advanced stats because I feel like he would be leading in the high danger save percentage and, and uh, goal saved above average. Like this is just a guy who's just doing so much this year and super nice kid from talking to him. You know, he's just so happy to be there. And there's no way that even like two months ago for as good of a start that he had, that he thought he would be in this situation. So it's got to be really fun for him. And if he steals a starting spot, it kind of shows like, you know what, Canada went with the hot hand and it worked. So uh, I'm excited to see that work out for him. And well, I'm also a huge fan of goalies, so I will always kind of sway towards the goalies anyways. Well, there you go. Let's just hope that the clock doesn't strike 12 during the tournament and he turns into a pumpkin or something like that. Um, at, at the beginning of the podcast, you <laughs> you mentioned um, the Spengler Cup. Uh, how would you feel about just taking a, a minute or two and uh, talking about the Spengler Cup tournament? So I don't think it's a tournament that gets a lot of... Uh, airplay and lip service on this or any other podcast um so just kind of explain what it is real quick because i bet a lot of people don't even know well it's uh it's basically team canada enters a team of the best uh players playing over in europe and then you've got club teams from the khl the swiss league the finnish league and we've had teams from league the the German league uh, in recent years and f- people look at it and say, Oh, like look at Canada. That's a team of has been. Uh, I don't look at it that way because good quality hockey can still be found at different levels. And if I had to pick my favorite world junior games and my favorite Spangler cup games, I could, if I had to make a top 10 combined, it'd be mostly Spangler cup games. And it's just because the atmosphere is incredible there. And these guys are pros. Like, sure, you know what? The Spengler Cup may not have the best players, but you send Canada's World Junior team and have them play Canada's Spengler Cup team, it's not close. Canada's Spengler Cup team is going to go out there and win there, even though the, the younger team might have more speed. I just They don't have the overall... I'd say skill level because they're still developing. But as a result, you know, like it's, I think it's a really fun event. Uh, it means so much to HC Davos and their fan base, which is incredible. doesn't matter if they're losing five, nothing in a meaningless game, the crowd's still going nuts and it's just a fun place. I got a, uh, 
Rado Von Erks HC Davos jersey. And I have 58 jerseys in my collection, but that's probably my favorite one. Uh, so, you know, it's a good tournament. If you want to see high-quality hockey, you're going to see it there. People will write it off because it's not the best players. Well, you know what? It doesn't need to have the best players in the world to be a good tournament. I will still hold to this day that the best Olympic hockey tournament I ever watched was the 2018 Olympics because it was so unpredictable, and that's what made it fun. And, you know, the also in the Spangler Cup, there will be times where teams will sit their best players, and that's because overall the domestic leagues matter the most. But you'll still get some really fun combinations. And last year, that goaltending battle between Dennis Gaw, the versus Zach Fucoli. It felt like the 2015 World Junior was all over again. But, oh, man, that was an absolute blast seeing that game go to overtime. And then a shootout kind of sucked away for that to be the way uh, that's the Finnish team out there and won. But I'd say if you've got time, it sucks that the two tournaments, the World Juniors and Spanish Cup, are playing games at, like, the exact same times. But uh, otherwise... It's going to be some good hockey. Canada's got a team that could probably go for it again this year. And just seeing those guys who wouldn't make the Olympics or wouldn't make any other major teams uh, if the best players were available and seeing what they can do with it, it's really cool. Right on. Um, so there's a handful of teams in this tournament that are mostly European club teams. Is this the same team... Um teams competing every year or, or do they alternate it, it's an invitation tournament so it, there's alternates um usually the team that won the year before is always offered the chance to come back to defend and then davos hosts it so uh it does change from year to year there are some different teams that are involved or different leagues involved too and it's uh it's kind of well respected in europe not as much obviously here in canada just because people just if it's not the top level of something, people typically ignore it in Canada, and that's just how it happens. But, uh, you know, it's it's not the same teams every year, but you got TPS Turku coming back, and Ufa's been in here in the past, Tranik's been there in the past, and I believe Ambry Piotto is actually new for this year in this tournament, but you can always count on Canada, and Davos is always being there every single year. Uh, one thing that's kind of relevant to this show for the Spangler Cup is, to your point, it is the team Canada is, is widely composed of um, NHL alumni veterans that are holding on to their pro career, but are out of the NHL and, and not coming back, but they do invite some, uh, some young players and some prospects from time to time. And uh, one of those players this year would be defenseman Ian Mitchell. He's playing in uh, university of Denver. I believe part of the criteria for making team Canada is you can't be playing um, is it pro hockey in, in North America? Uh, no, because they typically do also get AHL players. Uh, oh, yeah? So there's, there's really no criteria. If you want to play, you can play. But uh, this year, uh, like the other year, Matt Tompkins from Rockford's there. And Zach Fucoli probably going to be the starting goalie from Orlando. It'll be kind of funny to see an ECHL goalie be the starting goalie there. But uh, yeah, I know that yeah, two, two of the goalies uh, this year are from... Uh, pro teams in North America. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, if it's running concurrently with world juniors and, and you're listening to this pros, uh, prospect podcast, chances are you're going to uh, 10 times out of 10, watch the world juniors over it. But uh, yeah, man, if, um, if they're not playing at the exact same time uh, and hopefully TSN is showing a little bit of Spangler cup action as well, then then check it out. 
especially uh, Canada versus Davos when they because uh, it'll either be on the second day of the tournament or the third day. Basically, the only confirmed day or confirmed schedule is what happens on the first day and then the second or third day. It depends on how the teams played in the first day. But Canada versus Davos, I don't think you're going to get that issue. I don't care if it's stay in the final. It's not and i fully fully stick to that well there you go all right so steve ellis is a member of the hockey news he's involved on their podcast as well um he really chimes in frequently with ryan kennedy when they're talking about prospects uh so you can find him on twitter uh your twitter handle is steven ellis thn and uh, as we were saying before you got on, you're a, a Dauber Prospects writer, alumni, and you are actually in the middle of writing an article for Dauber Prospects when you got when you got the call up to the big club. And uh, well, congratulations, man. Uh, we're really, really happy to have someone uh, from our own backyard writing for an organization like the Hockey News. That's that's pretty impressive. And uh, thanks so much for coming back on. Uh, this podcast again with me i really appreciate your return appearance and uh, i hope to have you on again in the future man absolutely it's gonna be a fun few weeks i'm looking forward to it and the nice thing is that the uh uh, the games aren't gonna be ending late like they did in vancouver so by four o'clock in the we'll all be free to do whatever we want for the rest of the day. So I think that's kind of a nice little change compared to when we have in Western Canada, but uh, yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. Looking forward to both tournaments, but uh, world juniors is going to be busy, busy, busy. Absolutely. I'll be finished walking, watching a hockey by the time my kids get out of bed. So that's amazing. I won't have any competition for TV. Um, Steve, thanks again for doing this. Uh, That's a wrap on our Canada episode. In case you've missed it, I've already posted episodes um, focusing on a preview for the United States with Steve Cornianis from the Draft Analysts. Yoki Nevalainen joined me from Dauber Prospects as well. He covers Finland. uh, So we talked about Finland. I went to McKean's Jimmy Hamron, and he helped me out with Sweden preview. And uh, I mentioned Victor covered the Team Russia with me. He's uh, most well-known for his Twitter account, Russian Prospects, R-U-S Prospects, and uh, and now Team Canada. So that might be the end of our World Junior preview. Um, not sure if I'm going to do an episode for any of the other nations, maybe one combined all together with with all the other nations players kind of wrapped up in one episode. We'll see. Uh, if not, enjoy the World Juniors. Thanks for listening. 